part two, connect. Building relationships and credibility. Human beings are naturally social. We crave connection and positive interactions just as much as we crave food and water. Achieving them, however, depends on our ability to build relationships. The relationships we crave aren't just with our family, friends or team members. We also crave relationships with our suppliers, our clients and our peers. A strong relationship equates to trust. A poor relationship equates to reticence and caution. If we have a good relationship with someone, we're loyal and caring. If we don't, then it's a relationship we want to leave. Relationships first, sales second. Relationship building doesn't happen overnight. I once gave a talk at a Countex titled, Please Will You Marry Me, Mr Accountant? It was an ironic look at how firms try to get their audience to buy from them without building the relationship and trust that is first needed. I reminded them of the golden rule, relationships first, sales second. Here are the three main characteristics that define a good client and accountant relationship. Firstly, trust, the pinnacle of every good relationship. Once your client trusts you, you form a powerful bond that allows you to communicate more effectively. You also don't have to waste time worrying about them leaving you. Secondly, mutual respect. When your clients respect you and your work, they value your ideas and suggestions. Together you will develop better solutions based on your insights, wisdom and creativity. And thirdly, open communication. We communicate through emails, telephone calls and meetings. The better you communicate with prospects and clients, the richer your relationship with them will be. All good relationships depend on open, honest communication. Understanding how to build relationships is important. The way in which trust, respect and good communication are formed today is very different from 10 years ago. Two fundamental shifts have taken place. Firstly, clients' buying patterns have gone through a monumental change. And secondly, whereas sales used to be the primary force in growing a practice, now it's marketing. As a result, the lines between the two have become blurred. Let me explain my, by reminding you. At the risk of repeating myself, but it's crucial you recognise how it works across all your marketing activities, that 70% of trust is built before you even speak to a prospect. In other words, before a prospect calls, they've pretty much decided if they're going to buy from you or not. By carrying out their due diligence, they've already decided whether you're credible or not and have formed an opinion on your value. As an accountant, you'll quickly realise that leaves only 30% of the relationship building in your hands. So what does this mean in practice? If in the year 2000, the percentage of the pre-conversation buying decision was as low as 0 to 30%, will this dramatic increase continue? In a few years, will 80, 90 or even 100% of the buying decision be made without speaking to your sales team? Such questions lead us on to the second shift. If you wanted to grow your practice a few years ago, you'd have invested in sales above all else. Likewise, if you were short on cash, marketing would be the first to go. Sales used to be the driver and marketing used to be the expense, but that's no longer the case. The lines have become blurred and marketing is yielding greater success than ever before. Why? Because marketing builds relationships. The accounting practices that are thriving are the ones that are breaking the rules and pioneering new ways to build relationships. Zappos broke the rules when they allowed customers to ship shoes back to them at no cost. By removing a barrier that might stop people from buying, Zappos built trust. At the time, their competitors laughed at them. Today, they all follow suit. Netflix broke the rules when they allowed customers to watch films online rather than having to go to a shop to rent them. They respected their clients' time and in return reaped the rewards. Blockbusters, who turned a blind eye to what Netflix were doing, no longer exist. 
The way business is done has changed. Your consumer knows what they need from you, and if you don't deliver it, they'll move on to someone who will. So will you approach this chapter in the way that Blockbusters did with the advent of Netflix, or will you approach it with an open mind and consider how you might apply what you learn to your firm? Fixed mindset or growth mindset? There are two types of accounting practice. Once you say, sure, I can see how that would work. Yeah, I think we can apply that to our practice. Or that'll really help change the way our industry is perceived. This is what I refer to as having a growth mindset. Then there's the other kind, the ones who say, that's not applicable to our industry. No way, I'm not doing that. Our clients are different from other clients. Or that's not how people buy accounting services. This is what I refer to as having a fixed mindset. Every time I give a talk to a group of accountants and ask who believes that their practice is different, every single one of them raises their hands. That's because, as psychology teaches us, we all want to feel special. And being different means we're special. However, people don't buy from different businesses. They buy from trusted ones. They have to have trust in your practice, in your services and in you. The businesses that have succeeded using the methodology outlined in this book have all focused on building relationships and trust. The following pages will show you how to build on the foundations you've already established through positioning your firm, building your brand and choosing your platforms.